The second Bible reading is from Nehemiah chapter 8, and it's from page 418 of the Church Bibles. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Israel the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masaiah. And on his left were Pedaiah, Mashael, Makijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masaiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Pelaiah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law which the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. 
So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in their courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ethram. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Israel read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, good evening. If I've not met you before, uh, my name's Phil, and uh, I'm one of the student ministers here at church. Just let me briefly uh, just say, on behalf of all the student ministers, uh, thank you for praying for us tonight, and we thank you for your prayers and support for us. Uh, we value it immensely, uh, and what we do at theological colleges, we couldn't do uh, without all of you uh, supporting us in many ways. So I just want to pass that on. Uh, now, let me begin uh, by taking you back in time uh, 10 years. Ten years ago, uh, at a Christian students' conference in Canberra, a teenage university student, a young man in his late teens, uh, wanders into a Christian meeting. Uh, There is over a thousand students there gathered uh, to hear the Bible taught. Uh, Now, this young student, he's a little late and he sort of sneaks in the back and sits up there somewhere. Now, uh, he's usually a fairly happy-go-lucky kind of guy, life of the party, bright future ahead of him. Nothing really phases him. But that day, some old guy down the front reads from the Bible. He explains it clearly. And this young teenager finds himself weeping. Weeping as he sees clearly from God's word his sin his offence to the almighty God. And so tears stream down his face at the back of this auditorium. But more than that, there's, there's not just tears, there's elation. As he hears the news that Jesus has taken the penalty for his sin, uh, he's elated. Uh, he uh, can't describe in words uh, how wonderful it is to know that his salvation is sure in Christ. And as he looks around the auditorium, he's not the only one. Many that day were affected by the clear explanation and reading of God's word. Now, what do you think happened that day? Uh, Was it some kind of mass hypnosis or something? No, 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 I don't think so. We know what happened, didn't we? You see, the word of God is the Holy Spirit's book. The Holy Spirit inspired uh, the writing of these words. And so when the scriptures are read clearly and explained, the Holy Spirit turns up and brings them to life for the Christians who hear them. That's what happened that day, wasn't it? Uh, They were profoundly affected because God spoke to them. Now, you may have worked it out. That young man in the audience was me. I was profoundly affected. That day, I heard God speak to me. And it made me incredibly sad, but incredibly happy. And we see something similar happening in today's passage, don't we? Uh, The Israelites, they're they're back in the land. 
Uh, They've rebuilt the wall. They've rebuilt the temple. Uh, They gather around Ezra. He reads the word clearly, and the Levites explain it to them, and they're profoundly affected, aren't they? They're profoundly affected. They hear God speak to them. You see, uh, in our passage today, we're going to see how the Word of God affects us, and we're going to see it in three ways. If you're a note taker, these will also be our three points. You might like to put them down. The Word of God made them cry. The Word of God made them party. And the Word of God made them go camping. Anyway, those three points again, cry, party, and go camping. But what about us sitting here today? We heard the Bible read before. I'm going to try and explain it clearly now. We've heard God speak today. We've heard God speak to us. The true and living God is speaking to you and to me. So let me pray uh, that we might be ready to listen and hear from our God. Let me pray for us. Mighty God, Quiet our busy minds. Open our distractible hearts. We are your people. You are our God. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Our first point, uh, the word of God makes you want to cry. My uh, four-month-old baby daughter has recently discovered mirrors, and it's very exciting uh, whenever she's feeling a little bit sad, I kind of put her in front of the mirror and she looks and has a lot of fun. But mirrors aren't just for entertainment, are they? But they're also quite practical and helpful. Uh, you look in the mirror before you go to work and see, oh, I missed that bit of toothpaste, I better get that off. Uh, mirrors are, are great. They show us a picture of ourselves. But what about our souls? How can we see our own souls? Well, the Word of God is like a super mirror showing the people of God who they really are, showing them their souls. And that's what we see in today's passage, don't we? Uh, The people read God's word, it shows them their souls, and it makes them cry. Have a look, verse 9. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe, uh, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not Mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Why? Well, if you cast your eye over to the next chapter, chapter 9, we'll see the kind of stuff they were reading was about the history of their people, how God had been so loving and kind to them, but how they had turned away from him, how they were a stiff-necked people uh, who'd often not listened to God. You see... The Bible is a bit like a good friend. You know how there's sometimes that friend that kind of just tells you whatever you want to hear, even if it's not true, but then there's that good friend who tells you the truth even when it hurts. Well, that's what the Bible is like, and that's what it's like for them. Uh, In Acts chapter 2, we hear of Peter uh, speaking God's word again to people, and in that time we're told they're cut to the heart. They're cut to the heart by God's word. I wonder if you've ever been cut to the heart by God's word. I mean, what is wrong with us? As the mirror of scripture shows us who we are, 
we see that we don't just hurt the people we hate, do we? We hurt the people we love most. I'm sure you can think of a time this week where you've, you've hurt the people who love you. But it's not just that we hurt the people we love, we even hurt and harm our own bodies. But more than that, the Word of God tells us that we offend our loving Creator God who made us. Before your own mother even knew you existed, God knew you were in the womb. Every step of your life, He has been with you. And yet, we so often offend Him and turn away from Him. Friends, what is wrong with us? Sin. Our perfect mirror is perfectly clear. It's sin. Uh, Have a look at this Bible verse from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is clear, isn't it? We've all turned our back on God, and this is not a popular truth in our world. But the Word of God is like the perfect mirror for our souls. And they experienced this in our passage, didn't they? The Israelites knew that they deserved to be kicked out of the land. And we too must admit that we deserve to be kicked out of God's presence. We must never forget this truth. We must never look away from the perfect mirror to our souls, even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. Yet, The Israelites, uh, though they deserved to be kicked out of the land, they were now back in the land, weren't they, in our passage? Uh, And things were going quite well for them. They'd they'd rebuilt the temple. uh, they rebuilt the wall. Uh, How come they're back in the land even though they deserve to be kicked out of it? And then there's us. We deserve to be kicked out of God's presence. But here we are. We call God our Father. We call Jesus our brother, and we call the Holy Spirit our comforter. How did we get here? And what do we now do that we live here? Well, we see our next point, uh, and one word, what do we do? We party. The word of God makes you party. Verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, And the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. You see, the people were cut to the heart by God's word, but now Nehemiah and Ezra are telling them to go away and have a party? What's going on here? Well, have a closer look at verse 9. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Or have a look at verse 11. The the Levites calmed all the people saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. What's going on here? 
Well, we read at the start that it's in fact the seventh month we read in chapter 2. And it's likely that this day was holy because it was the Feast of Trumpets. As we read in the law that perhaps they read that day in Leviticus 23, God tells the people at the Feast of Trumpets to have a feast and blow trumpets. That's why it's called the Feast of Trumpets. But this was no regular celebration, was it? This was an extra special holy day. Why? Because they'd been shown such wonderful grace from God, hadn't they? The gracious hand of God has been upon them. They were back in the land. They'd rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Imagine any kind of uh, project, public works project, going off without a hitch in 52 days. That's not a miracle. You see, and more than that, their leader, Nehemiah, had been protected from attack after attack, and now God was speaking to them again. Not even their sin had stopped God saving them. Now, that's worth celebrating, isn't it? National celebration. Uh, They feast, generous celebration, with fine wine and fine meats, and they overflow with generosity as they send portions to those who didn't have any, that they might all celebrate together. It's a day of national celebration. I don't know if we really know what a day of national celebration looks like that. I think uh, perhaps the last time of national celebration that we've known in Australia was quite some time ago. Let's get the uh, next slide up on the screen. Those of you who grew up in Australia uh, and know a bit of history might know a little bit about this image. Uh, Let me set the scene for you. Uh, This is a still for some footage uh, from Elizabeth Street. Uh, And on August 15, 1942, another day of national celebration. This day uh, was the end of the war. Uh, It had been the bloodiest conflict in our national history, but the Second World War was over. And in this footage, this man uh, spontaneously dances in the streets And it kind of became a bit of a symbol for the whole country of the overflowing joy of peace after the Second World War. And Australians were pretty stodgy back then, so, you know, to to kind of dance spontaneously in the street, uh, it kind of shows you the, the level of kind of national joy that was going on. But could you imagine it? You imagine it, the war was over, your sons and daughters would be coming home Uh, We would send no more of our people overseas to die. The the threat of invasion was over. It was celebration on a national scale, something like which I don't know if our generations have ever really known. But we have known peace, haven't we? Not as the people of Australia, but as the people of God. Not a war, nation between nation, of bombs and bullets but between God and humans, creature and creation. No, no, no. We know now a peace between us and God. The word of God himself, Jesus, has brought us lasting peace with God by his blood. Take a look at this uh, next passage from Romans, Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, the Israelites had much to celebrate that day. They'd heard the word of their God. They were at peace, no longer being a, a nation conquered and taken away. God had restored them. But, brothers and sisters, we have even more reason to celebrate, don't we? Jesus has saved us to an eternal home. Let's ourselves blow trumpets and feast. Yes, the word of the Lord tells us to mourn our sin, but the word of the Lord tells us to party because Jesus has taken our sin. Now, I'm going to go off script uh, for a moment here and say that uh, for many of us here, this call from the word of God to celebrate will be hard to hear in the midst of mourning. Uh, And so I just want to read a few words um, from that beautiful song, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, by Horatio Spafford, a man who experienced terrible tragedy, um, yet still uh, praised God. I'll read these lines for you. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Brothers and sisters, let us be defined by celebration. Verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Tomorrow, when you drag yourself out of bed to face another day, uh, whether you put your headphones in on the train or whether you turn up the stereo in your car, blast some praise and worship music. Celebrate what God has done for us and the peace that he has won for us with God. In our final song today, let me encourage you, sing up, praise our God for the peace that he has won for us and the eternal life that we can have. The war is over. So we've seen two things, haven't we? We've seen that the word of God makes us want to cry because of our sin, that the word of God is the perfect mirror to our soul. And secondly, we've seen that the word of God tells us to party, to celebrate because of what Jesus has done for us in the cross. The word of God is a bit like a party popper. But our third point, the word of God makes us want to go camping. What's going on here? Well, you may have missed the last section uh, from verse 13. But in verse 13, they come back after the party uh, and they keep reading from the law. And they find there that God has commanded them to celebrate the Feast of Booths, which was another feast like the, tri- uh, the Feast of Trumpets. But it's basically where they're commanded to kind of go camping. Like uh, we see in the passage, they go up to the hills and they get leaves and Uh, branches, and they kind of build for themselves little um, shelters and tents. You can kind of imagine it. We're told they kind of build them up on the roofs or in the streets. You can kind of imagine them all out there camping. And we're told in verse 17, they have a great time kind of camping together, a national camping holiday. So how on earth does this apply to us? Should we uh, cancel the accommodation at Weekend Escape and all just kind of get sticks and branches and and camp under them for that time? Uh, No, not really. I'm not quite sure that's how it applies to us. Let's let's dig a bit deeper here. You see, what they were doing in the the Festival of the Booths, the whole point of it, it wasn't just to have a great time going camping. 
but it was to remember who they were, to remember their true identity. You see, the booths remind them of when their ancestors Israel were sleeping rough uh, in the desert. God had saved them out of Egypt and they were living in tents for 40 years in the desert. It served as a reminder to them of their identity, a bit like how we do communion together. Communion reminds us of our identity, that we are in Jesus because of his death and resurrection. Actually, uh, if you are a note taker, it might be worth putting some brackets here on the third point uh, and saying that it's going camping, but going camping to remember our true identity. I mean, imagine it for a minute. Uh, all these Israelite families, you know, they've built their little, their little huts uh, and the kids kind of turn to their parents and go, Dad, why are we sleeping outside in a hut when we have a perfectly good house? And, you know, he kind of says, well, kiddo, and he explains the story, doesn't he? Our ancestors were slaves in Egypt and God saved us out and we lived in the tents. You see, he, he tells them their identity, doesn't he? You see, uh, the camping holiday reminded them of who they were, a saved people by God, and here the word of God was shaping their identity. But what about us? Uh, you know, everyone loves a holiday. Not all of us are camping holiday. Uh, but we love it, don't we? It's a time to kind of get away and reset. Uh, personally, I love camping. Uh, I love getting out of the light pollution of the city, uh, somewhere in the outback, uh, looking up at the countless stars. Uh, you know, when I look up at the stars, I just feel kind of small, you know. Uh, the stars have been there far longer than I have, and they'll be there far longer than I will be. Uh, when I go out camping, it reminds me that I'm human, that I'm small. And even non-Christians can do that when, when they get away or go camping. And while being in nature reminds us that we are human, the Word of God reminds us that we are children of God. And so next time you go on a holiday, let me encourage you. Why not take your Bible? Next time you get away... Why not hear from God and have him reset you as he reminds you of your true identity? Uh, I think one of my fondest memories at university uh, was a camping trip I did with some friends up in North Queensland. Uh, we had a three-night trip, uh, and the book of Titus had three chapters. Uh, and so every night, uh, we would just read one of the chapters and just have a bit of a chat about it together. And, and we did lots of other stuff on the holiday, but that's a really special memory a time that we spent together hearing from God, telling us our true identity. I wonder about you, uh, what you might do. Uh, maybe get away with your connect group. Maybe just read through a bit of the Bible together. I don't know, it's up to you. Use your imagination. How can you be reminded from the word of God about your true identity? But friends, it's so easy to forget, isn't it? It's so easy for us to forget who we are in Christ. Take a look at verse 17. Verse 17. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua the son of Nun to that day. Do you hear that? They were given these commandments by God before they came into the land but not since the days of Joshua and them coming into the land had they ever actually celebrated this Feast of Booths. They'd forgotten. 
There's a lot of history in there. You know, David, Solomon, a lot of history, but they had forgotten who they were. They stopped listening to the word of God to tell them who they were. Friends, let's not do that. Let's keep listening to the word of God to tell us who we truly are. Let's take time out to listen to God. I'm really looking forward to our winter escape because it's going to be a time for us to do just that. And I hope you're looking forward to it too. So in conclusion, uh, we've seen the word of God uh, tells us to do three things, don't we? Uh, To weep because of our sin, to party because of the peace we have with God, and three, to go camping, but really to remember who we are in Christ. Let me pray for us. Loving God, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you have not left us alone here, but you have made us your people and that you tell us the truth, that we are so lost in our sin, but we are so loved in Christ. Keep reminding us of who we truly are. Keep us quick to listen to your word and quick to point each other back to you. Amen.